Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. On this episode, I'm joined by ski racing aficionado Ben Clark, Olympian Luke Stain, and former World Cup ski racer Marcel Mattis, who podiumed in World Cup GS twice. Uh, we are catching up with a busy weekend of World Cup racing. The men were competing in Bansko, Bulgaria, and the women were in Kranz, Montana, Switzerland. Before we look ahead to this coming weekend's action, where the women are racing speed in Russia on the Olympic Hill of Rosa Couture, while the men are in Kvitfell, Norway, with speed on the agenda. It's the last time that the speed racers will get a chance to book tickets to the World Cup finals in Soldeo and Dora. Only the top 25 racers plus the world junior champion and any 500 pointers that fancy a crack. Luke and Marcel, welcome. Ben, welcome back. Let's start with the new guys. Luke, Marcel, what have your highlights been of the season so far? Marcel, you first. Um, definitely won Swindon winning a medal in his last race. That was just a perfect ending for his career. The other one, probably Charlie, having a little, <laughs> a little crashing on board. Yeah, but, Charlie, thanks for that. <laughs> before, before, let, let's, I'll just put it in context that you guys are great friends with Charlie, so any ribbing that goes on, on uh, at Charlie Raposo's expense, it comes from a good place. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like that may be a theme for today's podcast. What about you, Luke? Um, I'd have to say Val is there. Uh, for sure, definitely challenging conditions for the guys. Um, they always seem to struggle down that pitch, the fast, and it's just always an interesting race to watch, especially live. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Val is obviously one of the ch- most challenging pieces. Sometimes doesn't necessarily get the kudos externally, but as a racer, that piece has it all, doesn't it? It's gnarly, steep, icy, dark, all of the above. So it's, it's quite tricky. Benjamin... What about this weekend's action? And I don't want to hear any gloating about you getting some speed pick right. I finally got one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to hear and Thank you, Sophia Gorgia, for that. Um, <laughs> and if I remember correctly, you said she wouldn't fare very well in the spring-like snow conditions. I don't think I said that. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some great, great racing going on uh, in, in Crowns, Montana. Uh, the first up with the speed events with the incredibly controversial timing. Uh, going on, I'm not entirely sure what happened. You've uh, heard some had some rumours already. Yeah, well, um, let's start first up with the downhill, which actually did get away relatively well. Uh, Goggia took the win, didn't she? And then uh, Halen was second, and Goot. I oh, know it was the downhill where the timing got changed, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah, and Goot was promoted to third, which a bit controversially over Smidhofer, who is leading the standings for the downhill for the women and she was demoted from that podium because of this timing issue which the the back channels are talking about sabotage (laughs) (laughs) considering that it was only swiss racers that were affected but marcel you've been you are austrian and you you've been hearing quite a lot about the austrian press and saying that it hasn't gone down terribly well well they obviously felt a bit cheated after that race but like i guess everyone would kind of feel cheated yeah I mean, Even if it was the right result, you'd still you couldn't help but question it, could you? Yeah, obviously. Like the explanation from from the fifth side wasn't very great, so I guess that was a bit of a controversial as well. So didn't Some go down well. Spotty hacker sitting in his <laughs> bedroom in Mo- Moscow, giggling away. Yeah, that's not what it seems to be. But I, what I kind of like the thought of is that the backup timers for World Cup, which there are supposedly two backup timers. I love the thought that that's probably when he told his mates that that was his job, what do you do? I'm the backup timer for World Cup. And you'd have been like, that's the easiest gig. You just get to travel the world, press a stopwatch timer when they move out the gate. All of a sudden, you're thrust into, you know, this stuff really counts today because you lost some timing. I think they'll start getting paid more. 
from here forward. Yeah, not <laughs> concentrate by, more. Not by the Austrians. <laughs> yeah, not by the Austrians. It was quite a good race. Aside from that, it was a bit frustrating, a bit like we had with RA with the stop-start because of the conditions, it was really frustrating. This, obviously, with the timing was quite frustrating, but it was uh, some, some quite good racing. Seeing going on, the conditions were much more like we're used to for this time of year, a lot less cloud and fog and yeah. excess snow that they've had to deal with for the past few weeks. So it's good to have a race go off with the weather playing uh, no part in it. Well, they moved the start forward because of they thought the conditions were going to get warmer, which they did, and they moved it forward. But I think it was about an hour and a half, and we'd only got through about 17 races. So all of a sudden, those long days of World Cup, which are long enough already, turn into you know anybody that's starting at the back of the 30, which seems unheard of, but any of the people starting later in the start list would have been sitting around for three hours. Uh, and one of the big stories to come off of the downhill was obviously Ilka Stuhetz, only just recently back from knee injury, all of a sudden back on the injury table, back under the surgeon's knife for yet another knee surgery. She got up afterwards. Yeah, it was quite a heavy hit though, wasn't it? And and skied down to the finish and got a good clap for it. But yeah, I mean, that's not nice to see. I don't know when we're going to see her back. I guess at least it's... It gives her like a decent chunk of the summer, doesn't it, to still enough time to really hit the ground running. But just, it's so hard coming back from injury, isn't it? And and all of a sudden you've done that once and you get back and you've won World Cups and you've taken a a decent World Champs performance and all of a sudden you're back at square one. Have they announced what the injury specifically is, what she's done? Uh, I haven't. I have not that I saw. I just said that okay. she's injured her knee and is going back back for surgery. I don't know. So have you had many injuries with your? Yeah, I had like a couple injuries when I was about sixteen, which I'm still struggling with. But I mean, it's kind of part of the game. But this year is really hard to see that so many people get injured, especially on a woman's side. It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and I think the Austrians are probably hit hardest. We've talked about it earlier on in the seasons on some of the earlier podcasts. The Austrians seem to be hit harder than most. Because they've got more than anyone else in the field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. so many. But yeah, maybe that's right. Uh, do, um, do the Austrian press give you any sort of leeway for being injured? Or is it a case of this is cutthroat, this is Austrian ski racing, as we externally sort of perceive what it's like to be an Austrian ski racing? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of pressure on, on the media side. Like, as an Austrian ski racer, they always expect you to, to be on top form, which they mostly are, or most of them at least. So I guess like they just take injuries as they are and I guess they don't make pretty much like not a big fuss of it. But obviously the Austria ski team got hard, really hit, hit, hit hard. hard. Yeah. yeah. Is there a good like recovery for them? Like are there, is there a good program for them to be, you know, go through good rehab afterwards? Yeah, definitely. On the, on the rehab side, Austria is probably one of the best ones. It's like they have really good doctors good first care and then also good therapy sessions so that is well covered in Austria. The racing itself it looked brutal that Crans Montana Hill is tough isn't it I think for the women's side of, of, of the World Cup scene it's probably up there with one of the most challenging I think it's just it's pretty high speed the the piece underneath yeah it had a soft layer on top but underneath it was pretty brutal and I think it did also it rutted up but it still stayed hard underneath so you, you were hitting all the, all the ruts and bumps pretty hard uh, and the girls did really well to, to battle through and especially keep your head under that sort of immense pressurised situation of having delay after delay after delay. Yeah, I mean, especially that top section was pretty pretty steep at the start and then there was that right footer which broke up pretty quickly. Mm. Um, you know, for me, 
Goggia just cut about two meters inside everyone else's line and just pretty aggressive with the, with the line everywhere. And I think that's why she won um, and stood on it, the outside ski, really, really hard and, and you know, didn't lean back when, when, when she was smashing the bump. So I think that's, that why, that's where she won. Yeah, I think a couple of people tried to take a similar line to her on, on that on that section and, and you could see them getting bounced around on the next couple of turns so you can see that she's definitely back to full strength finally. Bear in mind she's only just back from injury herself yeah. so having the confidence uh, to, to take that line and take the bounce that comes with it um, was, was really impressive. Yeah, it comes back to what Marcel was saying. Like The teams around the athletes now are so all-encompassing aren't they they look at absolutely everything and they only let you back when you're good ready and I think it shows the depth of talent that's within the whole team of World Cups at the moment that Godja can come back having not skied the early part of the season come back mid-Jan hit the ground running and be a real force already uh, so that was the the downhill which did have those timing issues and and uh, thankfully we didn't have any of those issues come the Alpine combined which was the following day and that was won by uh, Frederica Briannoni, who absolutely smashed everyone. The, excuse me. The, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, everyone. Uh, Ronnie Remy, who took her first ever World Cup podium, which in itself is a big feat on such a tough track. And then surprisingly, uh, Wendy Holdner picking up the final place in the podium, where, where something like Alpine combined, she's seen as head and shoulders above the rest at the moment, but uh, managing to sneak herself onto the podium. Yeah, not her best day, but... Really well done again to Ronnie Remy. She had a, a good combined in the in the world champs set. I think well, I think it was fifth. the fastest was it, was it the fastest second run or fastest yeah. slalom run she set and got all the way up to fifth from right at the at the back of the thirty. So proving that she definitely in, enjoys uh, a, a bit of Alpine combined. You know, Brignoni's not the most slalom heavy skier, so for a change, it's not. Yeah, well, I guess from tech yeah from the saying. yeah which we've talked about a lot, potentially more from the men's side. Alpine combined does definitely favour a tech skier, doesn't it? And I think it's nice to see that it's not necessarily a slalom skier, but Brian only is her favourite discipline. It's got to be GS, so she's obviously got a bit of more tech about her than she probably has speed, although she's a very talented super G skier. So uh, all in all, I think a really good day out for the women, and under challenging conditions, they absolutely smashed the event. So. Interestingly, she's, she said in an interview that she's hardly trained slalom this whole season. Uh, she said maybe a handful of days. Is that Brianoni? Yeah. Um, and still, I mean, looking at the results, she came eighth in the slalom, which is pretty good going, seeing as it broke up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but she, she said the one thing that you know helped her was that there was hardly any flat section. So <laughs> she's clearly better <laughs> on the steep than she is on the flat. Um, but for me, Remy is definitely one to look out for the future. I mean, she's still skiing varsity in America so she's in the University of Utah so I think she's got one more year after this um, so, so she's, she's not even doing full time yeah that some so very that'll be really interesting you know she's young and then when she can dedicate a little bit more time to the sport I think she's going to be one to look out for in the future for sure yeah from what you say that's pretty astounding if you're still part time and podium in World Cup it makes me Annoyed. <laughs> I dedicated many years and never got anywhere close. <laughs> so. Take me back. I promise I work harder. <laughs> Give me another go. Um, let's switch it up to the men. And Marcel, this was one of your happy hunting grounds, wasn't it? Old Bansko, Bulgaria. Yeah. Came down there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Finished the race there. That was my career highlight, probably. What's the slope like? Is it pretty. I mean, it's not too challenging if you compare it to some other slopes out there but it's really nice it never really it's never really flat so you always have to try and push hard 
So I guess the people who pushed the heart all along the way did come first in the end. Before we start talking about GS, let's take a look at the Alpine combine, which was the first race, which actually had a few casualties in it. A real shame that we lost Marco Schwartz did his knee off that big, that last jump. He just got pushed into the back seat. It's so, it was such a sort of nothing, cra- not a crash, because he didn't even crash because he came across the line and was in a healthy position after the downhill, after the super G leg, sorry. But innocuous sort of backseat moment, didn't, none of us, in, I didn't think anything of it in commentary, and I don't think anybody else would have thought too much of it afterwards and uh, to, to do his ACL, where he was probably going to walk away with the title was uh, really tough. And I think um, Alexi Pantera, who took the win, was odds on and, and showed great form. That Super G run that he put down would have was right up there of any Super G. And I think had the Super G the following day run, he could have easily been on the podium with that form that he showed. So it was uh, Alexi Pantero took the win, Marcel Hirscher took second, and Stefan Hadlin from Slovenia took the final place on the podium, only a couple of hundredths behind Hirscher. Ben, you... You called... Uh, did you call Pantero? No, you called Pantero. Oh, I, I called, called Pantero. Pantero. Excellent, brilliant. Good <laughs> set um, Was that a in-your-face <laughs> one? Was that? <laughs> that was definitely an in-your-face one. Uh, I think Schwartz definitely would have won uh, had he uh, mm. contested a slalom. He would have easily no pulled that second uh, off Pantero <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a shame to see uh, some injuries there as well. Reichel also uh, was, was injured, although I saw a, a tweet today saying that he is going to contest in, in the next races so yeah just a luckily, tweet for him luckily it? for him not, not, not a bad injury which is good because at this stage of the season with the World Cup finals coming up you don't really want anyone missing out but that Super G looked very fast and really tight as well which mm. might be why Pantro excelled so much because a few of the more um, just pure speed guys just looked like they ran out of space trying to let their skis run a few a few guys missing gates first couple guys both, both missed gates yeah. and missed Got the line wrong off the off the jump uh, near the bottom, um, and it was quite a surprise to see that. Um, it was a very technical set. It's quite. A, it was very interesting set. And Marcel, you alluded to the fact that the piece is maybe not the most challenging in terms of outright gnarliness of it, but there's a lot going on in there, isn't there? There's it, there's a good bit of fall away. There's a couple of narrower sections which really challenge the races, and they do have to try and get a bit of swing because, like you say, it doesn't really get flat apart from obviously into the finish. So it's quite tricky for the the course setters to control speed down there. Yeah, it's really hard for them to to write, to do the right setting on there. As you can see, a lot of people are struggling with that race. But I think coming back to Pintoral, he's like really good in overall. Like he can do basically every discipline. As you could see in Kitzbühel, he was he was really doing well in the Super G there as well. So he has some some re- some good courage and also some good technique to himself. So I think he did really well on that Super G. You've got, he's got a bit of inside knowledge into, into Pantero's... Uh... Yeah, why, why is that, Marcel? I can't tell too much. But <laughs> <laughs> no, because my dad is a technician of him, so I, I kind of follow it very closely. I guess, yeah, that's the reason why I maybe... But I think he's, he's hit the ground running right at the right part of the season, hasn't he? Like, in time for World Champs, he had a slow start to the season, changed up a few bits, maybe a few equipment changes... Like little little bits of tweaks that all the races all races tweak throughout the whole season. Everybody's looking for tiny margins, right? So he's uh, he's found something that works for him, and um, and he's absolutely flying. And I think he'll be gutted that the season's sort of winding down already because he looks 
hungry as ever and as fit and as strong as, as we've seen from anybody racing at World Cup 11. Yeah, I think it's that point in the season where everyone's getting a little bit tired, but he seems to be pretty fresh. And I think in an interview the other day, he even said, like, you know, I'm raring to go. So especially with Fizz cancelling a couple of the races, which I guess we'll yeah. talk about later, um, towards the end of the season and not rescheduling them, I think it's definitely a disappointment for, for him and then also a Prince of the Vikings. It would be interesting if the Super G had run if Pantro would have raced because he was so confident on he that first day. Raced. He skied so well in that he, Super he, G. He, he'd be racking up points in the overall because the Austrian team had already made an announcement that Herscher wouldn't be racing in the Super G before it was officially cancelled. I had a nice bit of fun with Google Translate where the tweet the Austrian team put out when I put it into Google Translate said, Marcel Herscher will not race tomorrow, he will be at the start. And I had to send a message back and say, is that a yes or a no? <laughs> <laughs> so Google Translate needs to up its game because uh, <laughs> it wasn't maybe entirely that, Maybe clear. it's that hacker back again, just, <laughs> just screwing with everybody. That, or I need to learn better German. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> Interestingly, uh, if you look at sort of the timings, Trevor Phillip sort of was tied first in the slalom leg, which he was absolutely a big, big surprise for me. Which uh, we haven't seen many of the Canadians this year kind of stepping up their game. No. I don't know what what's gone wrong wrong with their sort of programs or yeah, because we saw Eric Reed and and Trevor getting a sneaking in for second runs last season and putting down a, a couple of results here, there, and everywhere, but. This season, it's been quite sparse. For, uh, to be fair, probably the, most of the North Americans, really, apart, you know, really apart from Schifrin, who, as we obviously know, is, is dominating. But apart from her, I think the the North Americans as a whole aren't the force that they used to be in World Cup skiing. And it's interesting to, uh, I'm not exactly sure why that is, because it's not like they've not got the facilities or the equipment or the funding or the the skill set. I think it's quite hard to kind of because Ligeti is falling a bit behind, like he's not doing as well as he was before. So it's always hard to kind of have the, have no one in training where you can actually see how fast you really are. I think that might be one of the reasons why they're not doing as well as they did before. Yeah, and also you do obviously cycle through these generations of ski races, and obviously you've got Ligeti leaving, obviously Bodie left, and the Americans on the men's side had that sort of real marquee ski races. And now you've got Bryce Bennett, who's all of a sudden this season come onto the scene, had his best results by far, and fourth, fifth, sixth, or you know, this season alone. Tommy Ford knocking on the door, but he's got great talent, but is unable to put that down in two runs. I think we see that quite often, that he smashes a run or smashes half a run, and you're like, this dude is here, and then he makes a, and then he makes a little bit of a mistake. And some of the older guards, Steve Nyman, hasn't had the run of form or, or without injuries. Travis Ganong had another injury. So it's, it's hard, I think, for the Americans to really, and the Canadians, to get some momentum but Bryce Bennett, I think, is probably their leading light. Tommy Ford, obviously, he's doing well, but not not quite there week in week out. I yeah. think if you if you look further down in like the lower levels, so there is a guy called River Ademus. Oh yeah, he just, just won twice uh, twice in a row at the Junior Worlds. Well, Junior Champs, yeah. So I guess they do have some really good talent, but they just need some time to kind of Nurture step up it, their game yeah. for the World Cup. Yeah, I think they've had a few funding issues this last year or so. You're quite linked into that because you you went to college then. Yeah, so I mean, I hear snippets here and there and, and I know yeah, a few of the guys were kicked off the, the World Cup team for, for um, the te- technical events so I think they're going to struggle for another couple of years but for me 
you know, Tommy Ford's definitely one to watch out for next season. I think, like you said, he's had times where, you know, runs were good and he just needs to stitch that together. And once he's figured that out, I think he'll be fast. I think that's obviously a better way to have it, isn't it? Than having sections where you're ripping to having nothing going right and trying to find form from nowhere. But at least you've, he's those guys have got some form. Round Cochrane Siegel, he's put down some decent runs in training runs and parts of, uh, of the speed events but again another race that's not really managing to put it all in one go but it's it's tough and we all know that World Cup is brutal and it, it's a f- race of fine margins and, it, and it's only getting harder let's then nip on to the GS for the men in Bansko and Christopherson <laughs> got another one over on Hirscher who was second and then uh, Toma Fanara in his uh, final race final season final season Going off in some style, by the look of it. 37. Shows that age is just a number. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of races going deep into their 30s now. Ben, you, you must be pretty happy. It was quite a good uh, good day in the uh, Giants' Lum office. It was brilliant. It was really fun to watch. That second run, obviously, you were on commentary and said it was good that Christofferson won because you shouldn't be able to do what Hersher did and still win. <laughs> yeah, and I, I stand, fully stand by that. 400s no was about as close as you can get. I... I, I Honestly, thought after the first first mistake he made that that was almost his podium chances gone. Let alone almost still being in with a chance for a win, and then having to lay down a little bit further on the course and then <laughs> carrying on. I mean, we know we know he is incredible, and we know he can recover without losing too much speed. But the fact that he even got to the bottom was incredible. Let alone the fact that he did it that fast. But Christopherson showing on on the day that being a I would say a bit more reserved. He was attacking just as much. He just didn't quite have the same level of mistake in there. But he just looked a lot more controlled on on his second run, Christopherson. Um, and like you said, Fanara showing how the how the old guys roll. We've had you know joked about Lizzer and JB Grange and Fanara reminded everyone that he's old and, and rapid. What, what, as well. v, what VHSs are and, and, and Walkmans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but it was it was brilliant to see him skills. But in doing so. Stop Cantero's kind of run of podiums uh, yeah. right there and then. Yeah, that was quite, it was quite impressive, wasn't it? The whole day it was the Giants' long day went went really well. What is it? What is it, Marcel? Five times in fourth place in one yeah. season. That's got to hurt. Fifth time. That's painful. That was his fifth time. Yeah. That's, that's not nice. But he's that's already at eight podiums. Besides the, those five. I don't feel that sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> but it is annoying. <laughs> when we've been saying he had a slow start to the season and he's still wrapping up those kind of numbers, it is, shows just how strong he's come on if he's had that many fourths as well. Yeah. Almost theirs. For, for me, for Christofferson, it's almost like he just needed the win, win to like get it out of his system. I mean, for me, he's been skiing like with a lot of tension this season. Like, he's been really frustrated. Yeah, yeah. You can see in the finish area that... like. You know, tension building up, getting just so annoyed, and especially and getting get beaten. Yeah, time and time again. So, you know, world champs winning um, the GS there, it just allowed him to just like, okay, I've done that now. Time to just get back to the ski racing rather than thinking about the result. We've talked about it a few times with him, and I think what was probably frustrating him the most was the amount of absolute monster second runs he put down and then Herscher would just <laughs> laugh and yeah. take another half a second out of it yeah. I think that was what was getting to him like races like this where you just take a 
couple hundreds and the person's made mistakes you don't care because you win but when you've done your absolute best and someone just shatters it yeah. you don't, it is it can be so demoralising I've spent a lot of years having people demoralising <laughs> me <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I think that like Luke said that, that win in the world champs is really like he does look so much more relaxed now and that you do you do need that what do you think it was Marcel I mean like he obviously made those two errors the first one got a bit backseat Hipsland the second, but we've seen that a few times this season, and he's just, you know, his ability to come back from mistakes has been second to none. But what, why do you think he got caught out this this time? I mean, like the amount of of times Hirscher actually won or has been on top there. I think one race not doing as well as he as he usually does. I think that's not of a big of an issue. Like we know how fast he goes and how how much tension he has in his skiing. It's just so good to see that someone is charging every single gate and I guess mistakes just happen then but I think it's really interesting the interview he gave after the super com- after the slalom at the world champs when he said <coughs> that his uh, Pintero was going before him as second last and he said he knew that Pintero was going out so he didn't go on full speed which shows how smart of a ski racer he also is so he doesn't always go on on full force he just tries to bring it down to the finish as well. Yeah, maybe that was the difference because because Christofferson did have a great second run and his opening two-thirds was something else. He built up a massive advantage. He lost a little bit through that final third, didn't he? So I think Hirscher, without that mistake, would have, without the lying down, obviously would have won. <laughs> Taking it <laughs> um, but he But Christofferson is skiing really well and you're right then, we've, to- we've talked about it quite a lot and how, and it, especially gets to be that Christofferson is has these sort of paddies and now that he is back to winning ways he sort of isn't having any more paddies which I think it's uh, I hope that he's able to, to, to get on top of it because I think that is the difference like you said Luke he's, he's been so hard on himself and it manifests in a really negative way for him and I think he's been able to park that for a uh, for a couple of races now and obviously one win and snow you know pun snowballs but it does <laughs> what about our good friend charlie raposa what do you make of his um obviously he didn't qualify what do you make of the bandsco performance and his season as a whole yeah marcel and i were talking about this I, I think it's almost like he needed the finish on this one again like that frustration of not finishing a, f- a few gs's this season he like if you're looking at the splits from first run he came out first split he was in 42nd and then he he sort of stabilized and was between 40 and 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 42nd throughout the rest of the race which says to me like he's not he didn't quite charge from first couple gates you know which is kind of similar to what he said to me he said he just didn't feel like it was at the 100 percent. maybe that's just a nerve thing you know we talked about to him about getting familiar with the world cup circuit yeah, definitely. I mean, he's still a young racer, so he has to learn a lot of new things. But I think it's also the fact that in training, he does really well and he can compete against those guys. And then in, in, in the races, you have like a higher bid, like everything goes slower. You have to like watch the first races going down two minute intervals. It's just really hard to, to kind of get in that mindset then. And I think he struggles a bit with that. I mean, obviously he has a lot of talent and he's, he's really, he's focusing on, on ski racing as well, which is, which is great to see. Um, he just needs to put it together in World Cup. And I guess as soon as he gets one good result, as you said, it's a snowball effect. Like afterwards it will go well for him. I think, I think you guys are 
are taking it easy on him. <laughs> I feel like you guys want to riff, riff, riff into him a bit. But it's, it's hard, isn't it, being a racer and competing at the highest level. And I think Charlie has shown glimpses. And to be fair, more than glimpses, because it's been on a few occasions. Yes, they've been DNFs, but he's shown good splits within the top 30 up until the final split where he's DNF. So I think it's it's tricky because you do have to get to the finish. Obviously, you have to be in the finish to, to get yourself a second run. But at the same time, he's taking heart and then but trying to find that balance, which he got the balance. He hasn't found the balance yet. Early season, he's got the balance wrong. Too much charge, not enough tactical, DNF'd. And then last weekend, too much tactical, not enough charge. And But it's that ever-elusive balance. So why you switch to speed, just one run? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Yeah. you don't, don't have to worry to about making the 30. You're exactly. Just, like, just you one do, run and done. Yeah, you do one run, days are shorter, <laughs> you don't do as many turns, you go a bit quicker, it's much more fun. These tech guys, Marcel, you, you know, doing too many runs, mate. <laughs> too many Hold runs too many Hold <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful, because, I mean, Kranzgagor is a great hill, and it'll be his last World Cup of the season. Highly unlikely that he'll make finals, obviously, without having made a 30 yet. So it's sort of like a one more throw of the dice. Like you can afford to go out there and smash it, leave it all on the hill. And if you DNF, you DNF, but, but at least you go down swinging. Whereas I think he wasn't really swinging in Bansko. But he'll be the first to say that. I mean, that's not news, news to him or any of the coaching team. Yeah, it's almost like the pressure's off him. You know, maybe the beginning of the season, because it was his first full-time all full year in, in World Cup there was a bit of pressure on him because everyone knew that he he's fast he's been doing really well in training and so there's almost like this kind of pressure of I have to make at least one top 30 or two top 30s this season now that he's you know stumbled a few times you know hopefully he says to himself look like I've got no pressure from here on I'm off to America for a couple of, of the Norams at the end of the season just have fun in my last sort of World Cup race here in Europe and, 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 and take next year and see how that goes. Let's move it on. Got quite a lot to get through. Let's talk about the City event because obviously we, which seems like ages ago now, having had Bansko and Kranz Montana since, but we'll hark back to the City event, which was Tuesday of last week. And it was a properly good fight, wasn't it? Although... I think uh, we were robbed a little bit due to the fact that Dave raced Marco Schwarz, which was a repeat of the final in uh, Oslo in the very first round. So I think it was a tough opening round for Dave. But uh, Ramon Zenhausen, which I don't think it was a surprise to anybody <laughs> that came away with the win. Andre Murer of Sweden, uh, keeping the home crowd happy. And then Marco Schwarz taking on Daniel and beating him in the small final. You picked Dave for that, and he let you down. He did. First round. And he owes me. I picked and he Schwartz, and he didn't get much further off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was a bit of a shame, because we, we did the podcast, and then about an hour after we finished, uh, I got a notification from Fizz, which was the draw for the next day, and it was Dave versus Marco Jeez. in the first round. That was, like, that was the final last time. He's not done us any favours. Obviously, it was all, it was all seeded, but... Uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a shame for Dave, but the racing was pretty good. Um, it's been somewhat overshadowed a little bit by the arguments over should you have panels, uh, should you be allowed to cross block or double block the gates, um, and then you know, like you said, Zinhausen being a little bit frustrated that people presume he's only good at it because he's tall rather than because he's you know good at skiing. 
But <laughs> I, I, I don't think that it's because literally the only thing is if he was tall. I'm not going to see a, said, a load uh, of basketball <laughs> players coming in. Well, you're really tall. You're going to be good at Parallel City events. But um, he did allude to in his post-race interview the fact that he was getting frustrated the fact that people think that he wins because he's tall. You know, some people are tall, some people are short. I mean, look at that podium. Tall. Tall. Mira, <laughs> short. I mean, they're not small people. So Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the two big guys who we expected to be there, I mean, obviously we'd hope that Dave was going to be there, but the two big guys that you would, you would say are more often than not going to find their way to the big final found their way there and... and I think Andre Murray nearly got nearly got there. I was quite looking forward to seeing him, you know, in his last World Cup race. I'm not sure if he's going to make the trip to um, Crown Segura for the final tech event or the finals. Because I'm not sure he was saying that he may pack up his equipment in Sweden, which is what he said at the end of RA, right after the the uh, just before the RA slalom. So I'm not sure if that may have just been a sort of what the Swedes wanted to hear, you know, like big, one big send-off sort of thing. But it'll be, it remains to be seen. But a good old race nonetheless. Yeah, a bit of an upset in the uh, women. So um, with Vlahova having a crash and going out relatively early, uh, mm. she was, uh, again, one of the one of the favourites for the women's side yes. of the draw. So we saw Schifrin take the win, Christina Geiger take second, Anna Sven Larsen taking third and Hans Dotter was the one that missed out from the small final so it was a close night of racing and I think it was interesting actually that Vlahova who was favourite and by all accounts was I don't know maybe this is a bit presumptuous I thought she was going to win and I thought she actually skied well enough in the early rounds to to be favourite continuously but she made a mistake and obviously like we've already talked about you have to cross the finish line if you're going to win yeah, and I think Anna Sven Larsen was actually probably skied a little bit quicker than Gaga, but it was just happened to be that Sven Larsen and Schifrin met in the in the semis. But how is Schifrin able to just keep going with this amazing form? I mean, her and Hirscher are just out of the league. Like they are so much better at the moment than anyone else, and they're consistently better than anyone else. Their mindset is just like only on winning. I, I don't even think Schifrin and Hirscher they they can lose. Like no chance for them. It was interesting that um, Stenmark, you know, obviously we talked about Lindsay Vonn chasing history and going for the, the record. And Ingemar Stenmark came out and said that he thinks that Schifrin will get over 100 World Cup wins. If she stays injury free, that, that's definitely possible. The rate she's going at this year and what she started to do in the, the speed events as well. The fact that every Super G she's contested this year, she's, she's won so far. She's now opting out of races when she was leading the crystal globe is, is is incredible it just shows how confident she is in her ability that when she decides she's ready to race she wants to make sure she wins um which is why i picked her for the city event that was my other pick of the week that you neglected to mention i don't know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about um but i, I tell you what's interesting i find about this shifrin thing we talk about her how she picks races and she's talking about she gets frustrated when when the media talk about why why aren't you racing here why aren't you you could win why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing that and she's talking about saving herself and trying to be fit and strong but she's quite young I mean it's a quite a busy circuit obviously I mean they're here there and everywhere that they were in uh, Switzerland last week the ladies fly to Russia then they fly back to uh, Czech Republic and then they fly down to Andorra so even in this last period of the season it's incredibly busy and the schedule must be tough but 
I don't understand. Why, I really don't understand why she's not racing because you see loads of people doing. Look at we talked about it already. Look at Pantero, how he's skiing in loads of disciplines all the time, and he's challenging in everything, and he's and he's not. Be- you know, Schifrin's better than everybody else in arguably everything other than downhill. She'd probably go in as favourite to any of the events other than downhill, but she's doesn't want to be too tired. It's, it's an interesting one because she's spoken she spoke a lot about it at the World Champs and did quite a lot of conferences about it and we're talking about her getting to 100 wins and how easily she could or couldn't do it and she's just come out and said, I don't care about those numbers. I, I just want to win every race I can test. So she honestly believes that if she doesn't do some of those races because the, the travelling backwards and forwards or the trying to train or disciplines is too much, I don't, I don't know if, if it is the best or if she could win more. I mean, there was a few races at the World Champs we watched where we thought she probably could have won today if she'd raced, especially the Alpine combined. But, you know, I guess at the end of the day, if she's confident in her convictions and she continues to win the races that she does enter, then her plan's kind of working to that effect. I mean, if you, if you think about it in terms of like the longevity of a career, she was obviously winning from day one. And we always talk about you're pretty lucky to get through a career without having you know, two or three seasons out from injury. So maybe she's just playing the long game where she's like, right, well, I reckon I can be successful winning World Cups for sort of 10 plus seasons. What's, what's wrong with taking a few races out here and there? You know, especially if I feel a few niggles and not feeling 100%, there's no point in absolutely smashing myself, especially towards the end of the season. Yeah, maybe so that's the recipe to stay injury-free. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I completely see her her sort of mentality and her way of thinking in that respect. But interestingly, sort of the other side of that is her mum's her coach, right? And I've always heard kind of, not horror stories, but kind of story, stories of like pushing her pretty, pretty damn hard. So kind of that's contradictory to, to, to what she's doing right now. Maybe maybe she feels like she worked so hard at obviously growing as an athlete and becoming head and shoulders above well maybe that's not maybe that's unfair to the other ladies, but being, you know, arguably the best in most disciplines, maybe that's the reason that she she trained so hard and she was pushed so hard so young that now that she's who she is, she can go and turn around and go, No, I'm not doing it. I don't need to do it and I'm going to save myself and stay injury-free. And you're right, maybe you're talking long-term career. If you can stay injury-free, how often do we talk about it? Somebody coming through loads of injury, back-to-back, Ilka Stuhertz comes back, injured again, comes back, injured again. Or and You see it loads of times on the men's tour as well, and you get you bounce from injury to injury to injury. Um, well, Felix now, is, we, we talked about him last week, that appears to be... His his path at the moment is just from one injury to the next, and and maybe that's maybe that's a consequence of of so many races. Marcel, when you were racing World Cup GS, did you do a couple of full seasons on the tour? Yeah, so I did like four or five seasons on the tour, like obviously doing some European Cup as well. Because if you only do GS, you don't really have many races, like eight, ten. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of try and want to keep yourself in form, but I think Schifrin. Like, she always won, yes, but, like, if you think two, three seasons back, she was struggling because she had a lot of, she was doing a whole program, and I think she has learned from that, that she needs to kind of take care of herself, take care of, like, her energy, and I think it's really smart what she does, like, why would she, why would she do every race? Like, if she doesn't need to, and she doesn't feel like she should do it, she shouldn't do it, like, no one can push her into that. Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe from 
a fan's perspective, we're just being selfish because we want to see the best racing. And maybe that's... It's pretty cool that she could turn around and go, do you know what, I may be able to win, but I'm not doing it. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, let's move on quickly now to the fact that Fizz are too poor to put on two missing races that were cancelled earlier in the season. I think we should do a GoFundMe for, for Fizz. Fizz I, don't, I, think, I think Fizz <laughs> is one of the only organisations that, that have got enough to fund all of us to come back to race. I'm sure there's a Bernie Eccleston hiding somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's... Uh, we've spoken about it off the pod and I spoke about it at length whilst we were on Eurosport doing the coverage for the race. I think it's, I think it's a, a, sh- a bit of a shambles. I don't really understand it. I think it's really unfair on the races. Marcel, you already said about how little race GS races there are and the fact that we're losing one because Fizz have decided they don't want to stick their hands in their pockets and put on another race when they've got deep pockets. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's rubbish. They're robbing us of a title fight. Hirsch's now already won the GS Globe because we're not racing another race, which we were supposed to have on the calendar. So I actually think the races are up in arms apart from the Austrians. I don't, I don't think they'd mind if there are other races I think they'd back Hersher to get another win <laughs> yeah, no, my point was I think they're the only the, I they think benefit they're, from it yeah well I think yeah. they're the only one yeah I think you'd still back Hersher to, to come away with the with the globe but I think it's that they're the only ones that are thinking that this is that they're okay with this decision everybody else is up in arms yeah I mean Martha's probably better to talk about it but I think if you're going to tell an Austrian you're going to put on a ski race it's a, generally a good thing rather than a bad thing um, it's it's a bit frustrating I don't know the ins and outs of, of, of fifth politics and, and what it takes to put on a, a ski race but we talked about it a little bit earlier on before we started recording if you're already at a race weekend the stands and everything are there the timing and everything's there the, the piece's good to go they should be able to put another race in without too much hassle. Yes, that it might cost a bit more because you might have some extra expenses and people might have been coming to take down the stands on Monday, but you know what? Pay them to come back the next day if, if your uh, assertions that fierce are not short of cash are correct, then I, I don't see the problem. It's, it's frustrating. We've had so many races either disrupted, shortened, or a bit messed up by weather it's annoying now that it's just they don't feel like putting the race on or they think it's too expensive you know these guys train all year round they put in hours and hours and hours on the hill off the hill and everything for then someone to say yeah we don't feel like doing it if a football match gets postponed it get they have to do that match by the end of the season uh-huh. you, you have to have it yeah i think it's i think it's it's pretty poor from Fizz's side, really, to be to be frank, uh, but also in the modern day athletes and in ski races, a lot of these guys don't get paid unless they race. So a lot of these guys will be on appearance fees from sponsors. You know, whether it's their kit, head sponsors, you know, clothing, whatever it is, these guys have to race and have to perform to get money. And I think there's only very few athletes that get paid regardless through the whole year, and a lot of it is on results. I think it's really tough. I think it's also a bit irritating that like before this season they changed the rule for the first race that when it got cancelled that you have to replace it and they changed it because they didn't have enough races and they always had to kind of cancel Sildenor for a couple of times and now in the middle of the season when you have actually time to do that race you just don't do it. I, that's what I don't get because 
obviously it's not just the races losing out, it's also Boris is losing out on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, we really talk about the reason why there isn't that much money in ski racing is because it's not quite a spectator sport. So if you're taking something that's seasonal and already on a short season and making it shorter or less sort of TV appearances, then people are going to pay less interest to the sport. It's quite quite frustrating for the sport as a whole, not just the athletes. And And Fizz could come out looking like the good guys in this. All of a sudden they went, do you know what, we've had to think about this. Because they're getting a lot of stick from the racers, from the media, from the fans, and they could come around out of this looking really good. Go, do you know what, we've heard and we're we're willing to to do it. They've got the money, they have got the money. It's not a case that they've not got the money, they just don't want to spend it. It's a bit strange, it's... Skiing's a strange sport like that because for the World Cup circuit or, you know, Crystal Globes to have at the start of the season, you don't know how many races you're going to need to win to win the title. You don't know how many races you're going to be in. in the se- There's not many other sports where you get to that level and you don't know how many events there are going to be in your season. You know, sometimes the weather does play a part. And as Marcel said, it was... I was really happy at the start of the season. We were, you know, we were gutted when uh, Solden was cancelled, but they said for the first time ever they're allowed to reschedule races so we can get a full calendar. And now we're here saying, oh, apparently there's only eight GSs this year or seven or however yeah, many we end up with. It's, it's such a shame because, like you said, this could come out of this looking better and they could come back next season with, okay, unless there are, you know, there is no snow in any mountains, we will have. 10 of each discipline and that is the way it's going to be so that you know how you know how to win the world title um, the other thing that's been a bit of a hot topic this week off the back of the city race was this double cross blocking the, the the use of panelled gates in a slalom um, lots of racers have been getting annoyed by the fact that it's, it's not viewer friendly I mean I quite like the fact that it's it throws something else in the mix and it does. It's giving us some anomalies. It's giving us the fact that Hirscher doesn't walk away every time and win. It's giving us a slightly different podium. It's it's chucking in something that I don't know. It's giving the racers something else to think about. I think it's tricky. You're, they're skiing quick. The turns are short. They're having to look at where both hands are. They're having to think about where both feet are. Having to try and see over a flag that's in their way. I kind of like it, but I understand, and I also tend to agree that it's it's not aesthetically pleasing. I think them double cross-blocking the GS flags. And I think if we look back at what Zenhoisen has said with the fact that he's getting annoyed by it being him being referred to as the winner basically because of his genetics, it, it kind of does discount the shorter races because obviously to be able to reach that far to get your inside hand across to clear that inside of the panel, it makes your outside leg quite long and quite a long way away from you if you are a shorter racer and so I don't know what do you guys what do you, what do you think the answer was if you, Marcel let's, let's go around Marcel if it was you in charge what would you do to these city races I mean I liked the way they were before without the cross blocking but obviously this is like how ski racing involved itself but if you think about how it could be an advantage for Hirscher to be small in GS for example it's the same for like Danny Sennheiser just being tall and being lucky on that on that side but I guess you can't really do any anything against it. If they want to do fist, uh, city races, they will have to cross blocking forever now because it's obviously the, the faster technique. So you don't, you don't think you don't think fizz will change? You, do you think it will keep in its current format? Do you think the fizz will try and do anything about it? I think they will keep it because if you have a single pole, for example, then it's basically just a slalom, and this is not 
what the spectators want, I guess. They just want to see some action going on there. I guess it's more action with uh, cross-blocking or a double gate than a single one. What would you do, Luke, if you were in charge? I mean, we've all caught our hand in a GS panel before and got twisted and eaten it, and it's not fun. And maybe there's also a danger aspect to that. So maybe that's also what the athletes are kind of you know, talking about, that getting your hand stuck in a gate isn't you know, the safest thing. Uh, but I like what Marcel said is like, well, if Hirsch has the advantage in GS, <laughs> maybe this is yeah. a way of, you know, putting a bit of a different spin on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a hard one. I mean, they talked about doing snowboarding, the snowboarding yeah, you gates. The triangle gates yeah, one. the triangle gates, which could be good. They maybe should test it out and, and, and get the guys racing on that and training to see what that looks like. But I think... If you go back to why they started doing the city events, it's to get people more interested in ski racing, right? So <laughs> I don't think, you know, we talked about Oslo not really attracting that many people. If you looked at the crowd, there was hardly anything one in there. Yeah, it was a real that, shame. Real shame. And that's got nothing to do with the flags. So I think they've got bigger issues with the, with the um, city events than just talking about the flags. I think they should be talking about how to get people interested in attending these events rather than the flags. That should be a secondary issue for me. I don't know if the organisers, Fizz or these guys that talk about it, you just see a lot of chatter on social media, which is where everyone gets their news, first-hand from the athletes that seem to be discontent with it. But they don't hear anybody winning complaining, do you, really? No. Which maybe points towards sour grapes. I don't know. I can't, I, I'm sort of a bit torn by it. I kind of think that... I like the fact that it chucks up some anomaly results and I like the fact that it's another skill. It's, is a, it is definitely a skill and it's something that Schifrin trained really hard at. We talked about Oslo, how Vlahova got one over on Schifrin in Oslo because Vlahova was double cross blocking and Schifrin didn't do it. And Schifrin had talked about before Oslo and said that they'd done some calculations and they thought that she was too short to double cross block. And then it meant that she was too far away from her outside ski. And so they decided that it wasn't for Schifrin. Yet she's gone away, trained, and won a city race. And is doing the double cross block technique. So I kind of like it. I do get that it's it's maybe not as aesthetically pleasing as it could be if they were all skiing at Classic. But I like it. I think it should stay. Ben? It's an interesting one. I, I like the image in my head of like a Classic style head-to-head like watching it in my head, I, I like that picture that it builds. But at the end of the day, ski racing is about the fastest route down. And you talked about Vlahova in, in the Oslo event, she found a way to make it work and she did both. She on the wider turns, she skied classic and on the on the straight sections she, she did the, the double cross block and for the athletes to win, they need to work out what suits them. If Marcel Hersher is the wrong size to double cross, but he needs to ski classic as fast as he possibly can, and he skis that faster than anyone else in the world. Yeah, true. Just because Zimhausen has the physical capabilities that gives him an advantage doesn't mean Marcel Hirsch has to ski quicker. And I think at the end of the day, when you see people get tangled up in the panels, that's the point. They're making a decision to try and do the cross block, and if they miss, that's the risk they've chosen yeah. to take. Someone could say, I'm going to do this event entire classic and well, win. Well, Christina Geiger didn't have pole guards on. So she decided <laughs> that she was classic, skiing this classic, regardless. It's, and it's, she was second. It's the, it's the, it's the no-risk approach. And as as did Holdner, who didn't win. But. If, if you're 
quick enough at it and you back yourself, it's fine. Yes, if someone gets the other technique exactly right, they'll be faster. But that's that's what racing's about. We talk about whether you, you know, with, with Charlie, whether you're going full attack or being a bit more tactical. This is just another tactical decision to make. If athletes start getting injured, getting tangled up in gates and crashing and um, having the little jumps and, you know, Vlahova had a, her spill just after the little drop away... If, if it becomes a safety issue and people are getting injured on it, then I think we'd see a change quite quickly. I'd be more than happy to see them try it with the uh, snowboard style gates, with the triangle gates, but whatever, whatever fits do, I want to see them be flexible with the approach. If the athletes don't like it, then fine, but if the vast majority do and it's just a couple complaining, then keep, keep going. Crack on. As, as we shall as well. So well, let's have a quick look forward to the weekend's racing. So the ladies are racing in Rosa Couture, which was the site for the Sochi uh, Olympic Games, and they are racing downhill and super G. And so I think it's going to be another godgier. I'm going to I'm going to pick early because I'm You've already Yeah, sorry. I've I've Looked over your shoulder. I've seen your notes. And, said, uh, now, now you've seen that I'm a speed expert. <laughs> yeah, now that you're a speed expert, I'm now taking uh, hints and tips off you. But um, Rosa Couture, as we saw from the Olympic Games, it's a really cool piece. There's quite a lot going on. There's some jumps in there as well. And hopefully this warmer weather that we've got through Europe hasn't quite made its way over to Russia just yet. Sure summer beach resort of Sochi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Maybe there's a really cold wind. <laughs> by um, palm trees. Yeah, by the palm trees where Putin's sunning himself on the beach. Um, but I think I, I, I kind of, you know what I've enjoyed, especially I think more so on the ladies' side, is how close it's been in the speed events. We've talked about how Schifrin's run away with it, even in the tech event, sorry, but even in the Super G, when she has won, it's not been a domination of the speed events. And there's so many different winners. And I, and I think it's a really, really strong position for the ladies to be in. And it means that it's close racing through most of the top 15, which I don't think we've seen for quite a long time. But yeah, I'm going to pick first because it's my thing. So I get that. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Godgia for the downhill and I'm going to say Brianoni for the Super G I thought you were just going to take both my picks then um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to let the other guys have a pick as well now I've got to think of a new one I'm going to let Luke and Marcel have a pick when I think of someone else Marcel uh, you actually took the best ones to be honest but well, you, if, if, you, if you can start, you can join me if you, if, I think if you think Sophia Gotcha will be on the podium um, but I think the Austrians are quite good. Actually, I think the downhill standings, like four Austrians in, yeah. three Austrians in top four, which hasn't been on for a long time. So I guess Schmidhofer, as it's a really difficult slope up there, I think she's going to do well. well and do, you think she's, do you think she's sort of extra fired up with a bit of a point to prove after this sort of timing definitely. situation? <laughs> I, think she will be, I think she will be on top this time. Basically, will stop watching her hand. Yeah, she's going to win. And her coach is like, every, every Austrian coach is going to have a stopwatch. Is there, is there a Russian on, on her <laughs> <laughs> There might be now. It's that kid that's been messing with the lingerie styling. <laughs> so you saying Schmidhofer for the downhill? And I go for 
Ram Hilton more clean the Super G. Oh, like that, like a little left field pick. Yeah, my uncle's been racing well. She had a good, good world champs as well. We talked about it. She's she's on a bit of form as well. Not quite Pantro levels of, of podium every week, but she was she was up there in a few races. So it's uh, definitely a good a good shout. Luke, <laughs> can I name three women in the World Cup circuit? Two races. <laughs> okay, uh, Suter I thought was pretty impressive from the downhill apart from seeming to get lost at one part of the course, but um, that's, that's, that's for another time. Um, so I would actually, I'd like to pick her as an outsider for the Super G. And then Brianoni, I'd say she will smash the downhill because she was pretty aggressive um, in Crans Montana, smashed the line. And I think if she brings that sort of intensity to a more difficult slope, I think she, you know, has a chance of, of podiuming or even coming first. So there's my two outside picks. Nice. Benjamin? Oh, well, I've moved my second one to Schmidhofer. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the other Austrian and go Siebenhofer for the downhill. And I had Schmidhofer or Goop for the Super G, and I'm going to go with uh, Goop, I think. Well, I think Goop uh, had a very good, good call. Because yeah, she, she was going well, and actually, she had, again, quite good sections. Not, not the whole run in Crans Montana, but she skied some really good sections, so. I think that's probably a half-decent shout. And what is actually, like I said already, nice to see is that actually, I mean, I know that Godji is probably favourite and she will probably win, but I think it's I think it's very close. I don't think it's a given by any means. I don't think it's a Hirsch or a, or a Schiffer level say, of, of confidence. When you think earlier in the year we were saying, OK, well, you can't pick Hirscher or, or Schiffer in the tech events, <laughs> the fact that we've had no one that you can just rule out in, in, in the speed event shows that... That it is that bit more, bit more open. Okay. One, one more thing is, do do we think Schifrin's going? I thought no, I read I somewhere she's I not going. I don't think she's going. I think she's Which, sacked it off totally. No, we talked about her decisions too or not too earlier, but I was looking earlier, and she's only got a thirty-two point lead in the Super G standing. So that's one where she's in the lead currently. She's got three wins from the three races she's done, but she could lose the the Crystal Globe on on this decision so it'll be interesting to see obviously there's the finals that she'll be at and she may well win she, yeah, she's, I think there's like four people within 40 points of each other it's quite interesting that with a, such a small lead she's not going to go but I think it harks back to the fact that she doesn't want to travel all the way out to Russia to do a super G to turn around to come back and not do it uh, the men are racing double downhill super G in uh, Kvitfell. The Kvitfell downhill, and more so, is it's actually quite relatively tame. It's pretty flat. If they start from the top, which they, it's quite open up there, and I've <clears> raced there a few times in the World Cup, and I think we only started, I think I did it four times, and I think we only started from the top once, because it's quite exposed. And without the top, it's a real glide fest. It really is. As Fiss have gone from not rescheduling races to rescheduling them where they're probably not going to be full-length races. Well, maybe. I hope they are. I, I mean, I hope that that was just maybe an anomaly from when I was there. But I think it's it's not the most technical of tracks. So I anticipate pretty tight racing. Let's hope, <laughs> again, that we're getting some cold conditions because we just want it to be as open as possible, right? And the Super G title is absolutely jam-packed. It's There's absolutely no space. Kriegmeier's leading by three points over Matthias Meyer, who's in turn three points ahead of Dominic Paris, who's in turn three points ahead of Alexander Ormark Kilder, who's uh, a few points ahead of Svindar, who's obviously not starting, and then Caveat Cell is uh, 20 points, just under 20 points 
back from Kilda, who's uh, in fourth. So it's all to play for, and we're missing a Super G race, aren't we? So another one where it really means something and we're not getting the race on. But let's not go back to that. Let's not go back to that. Let's talk, and I won't call first. I will, I'll let somebody else call first. I'm going first. Cause you're going first. Right. Everyone last time. I'm picking all the favourites now. Are you going um, to call... Do you think that the same downhiller will win both downhills? No, I'll pick two separate ones. Oh, right, okay. Why's that? Because one will party really hard after winning on the first night, and then... This is not the 80s. This is not the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> not, the 80s not in the bar. <laughs> I don't know how... But maybe somebody will get more fired up. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, then the people who didn't win on the first day <laughs> okay. will, right. will be uh, giving it the... Uh, Beans. <laughs> The uh, Henrik Christofferson Viking chance in the start gate. Oh, God, God. Um, so I put down, I put down uh, Foytz and Jansrud for the two downhills. Jansrud possibly in a similar way to Christofferson, getting that win out of the way might just free him up a little bit to get going because he was really struggling up to the world champs. Well, it didn't help him in the uh, Super G leg of the Alpine combined, did it? It didn't, but I'm just going to ignore that entirely and hope that uh, it works come Kvitbjö. Um, well, the snow conditions, and I think that was actually one of the reasons why he did quite well in Aro, wasn't it? Because they're so used to that. It is, I mean, I know it's still snow, but Marcel, it's, it's, it's very different, isn't it? D- depending on where you're skiing, and that Scandinavian snow is quite different, and obviously the yeah, Scandis are so best. dry. It's really comparable to the US. So I think those Scandinavian skiers, they just grow up on that and they just know exactly what to do like is an Austrian know how to ski on ice they know how to ski on those conditions obviously they they can ski on ice as well but I think that is a big advantage for them and uh, on that note who do you think is going to take the two downhills I actually think Jansrud is a really good shout for this one but I go for Dominic Paris because he's always quite fast up there and also I would say Matthias Meyer is going to win a downhill bit of a gliding machine yeah like a tuck. It's interesting you were saying where it's not one of the steeper downhills, that, that does mean that any mistakes will cost you. It's not something where you've got a steep section where you've got some, you can pick your speed back up. If it's something that's just fairly gradual the whole way down, you, you just cannot make a mistake or your speed is gone. Bitfels does used to chuck up a few anomalies, didn't it? It used to have a couple of those gliding machines coming in there. Like uh, Klaus Kroll, the tucking maestro. Osborne Paradis. I was going to say Nani. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Hans Olsen. You know, these, these boys that love a tuck and have just the most amazing touch on their skis, which I don't think we necessarily have that as much as we used to. We did, I mean, Osborne Paradis, obviously, after that big crash at the beginning of the season, has sort of robbed us of that, gl- that you know, the Mr. Glide that served him so well for so many years, and he would have certainly been one to look at had he still been there. But... Um, I think it's going to be a tough weekend. And like you say, Ben, I think maybe somebody like Alexander Ulmott Kilder, who comes in as one of the big names, but he, as we've seen from him, he it's a bit of a cliche, but he, he doesn't really have a tactical head in his shoulders at the moment. And he does blitz it regardless of what happens. And we've seen quite a lot of mistakes from him. So I, I'm not actually that, unless I might have just like totally hazed you there. I, well, so for me, I mean, it's been so many varying conditions this season, even for the speed races. Uh, I think it will take, and I don't know what the conditions are up in Norway right now, but I think it'll take one of the older guys to, to, to really do well on this last uh, last couple of speed races. Uh, Parry, um, for me, is going to 
definitely podium on one of them. <laughs> Innerhofer, actually interesting, is third in the downhill um, rankings, which I never would have... You've, we've hardly seen him this season and mm. in, in, you know podium maybe he's just been a little, little bit more consistent than other people uh Kilda, like you said you, you never really know and then franz again sometimes outside bet bryce bennett that's not i, I do i kind of like that's a not a bad shout but um so you're going to go dominic paris i'm going to go paris and and Kilda. Kilda you are going to go Kilda. okay yeah. cool I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit out there, and I'm gonna say Johan Claret. I think he's been on some pretty decent form. I know in Super G, but he does have a really nice feel on the ski, and I kind of think that that's what it's gonna take for the for any of the races up there. To be fair, um, so I I'm gonna stick Claret in there. It's, it's probably a little bit left field, and I'm I'm also gonna still. I'm going to call Foyts. None of us have called Foyts and he's leading the standings. Did you call Foyts? I called Foyts for one, didn't you? Did you? You can have him on. I'll have him on you the other one. one. Second yeah, I'll have him on the other one. So you're going first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, going to, I'm going to go Foyts because I think he's, like you said, the, the experience counts and I think that he's got a pretty calm head on his shoulders. He's even a little even Foyts' well. bad days don't miss by much. You no. very rarely see him like right down the order um, unless he's had a, like a... a, a just time stopping uh, mistake. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's one of those guys, and that's why he's won the, the downhill title so many times because he just doesn't doesn't have races, he doesn't have patches where he comes out of two or three races. Exactly. He just keeps on racking up points. The final race of the weekend is the Super G for the men. Luke, you can have the honours of uh, of being up first. Ooh, I think I said Kilda, didn't I? Or did I say Kilda for the downhill? You, you went Kilda for a downhill okay. for one of the downhills. Uh, then I think Paris, Paris I, I meant for the Super G. I, I'm going to go Paris for the Super G. You think Paris is going to take the Super G? Yeah, again, you know, experience. And, and I, I, I've been really impressed with him this season. Uh, he sort of kind of hit the mark when, when I wasn't expecting it. So I, I think definitely Paris. Marcel? i go with Morocco Witzel because I really like the way he skis. He has a good touch. Yeah, I, I really like how he skis as well. That's, that's sort of very two-footed. It's got great symmetry from leg to leg. And he just looks he looks top class when he's skiing. Uh, I, I hope he does. And if you're what you're saying about how it's quite like North American snow, he obviously, I think he, was it a Super G one or a downhilly one in Beaver Creek? So he's won anyway in North America on similar sort of dry snow. So maybe that's, that's a, quite like that. It's a good shout. And he's skiing well. We saw that he was leading the Super G from the Alpine combined leg of Bansko. So that man is, is on top form. That's a, that's a nifty one. But it's not yours. But it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't have been mine anyway, but I want it now. <laughs> uh, ben, what about you? I had uh, Matthias Meyer um, for, for the Super G. I generally have to have an Austrian somewhere in my picks. So uh, after having Norway and Switzerland in the downhills, Meyer was the, was the uh, next pick. Uh, risk averse, are we? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, normally it would be Max Franz, who is the uh, biggest risk taker out there, but he's now injured for the rest of the season. That's Ben's so. go-to call. Uh, <laughs> it's Max Franz normally. Uh, so you're going Meyer. Yeah. I uh, I've been calling Kreefmeyer quite a lot over the last few races for the speed events, and I want to say him again. I know he's leading the Super G, but it is only by three points. So I think that kind of. I don't necessarily think he's the favourite, but he's been so consistent. He could be a little bit aggressive on his edges with it being dry, with the snow conditions, but I, I kind of want to see him do it. I think 
I, I'm going to stick with Creekmire, although it may be a little bit of a, a glory hunt, sort I'm of not, picking the fave. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I quite like... Picking the leader. I quite, like, I quite like his attitude at the moment. He did quite a few interviews at the World Champs where, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the, the combined being the tech specialists uh, kind of weighed heavily in their favour and, and Creekmire stopped by to do an interview between runs and they, they said, oh, you going to do the slalom and he's like yeah of course I am you know he, he just enjoys his racing even though he kind of knew at that point he said oh, I probably needed a second and a half lead and, and I don't have that and he just said he just said no let's 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 go I'm here to race it's good fun and you, you want that because sometimes you see these guys it is their job but you forget when you sport is your job it's, it's good when some people still enjoy it Marcel while, while we've still got you here what, what's it like as an Austrian racer competing and having that pressure and also what is it like as an Austrian fan? Yeah, I mean like obviously steroids in Austria are heroes, basically. It's like besides football it's definitely the most watched sport in Austria. The media is always like full on pressure. Like they expect people to win. They expect Hirscher to win every race, doesn't matter what comes, like he has to win. And if he doesn't win, if he gets second they're like, oh that was not a good race, was it? But being second isn't that bad. <laughs> so it's like, it's quite, for him especially, there's a lot of pressure. And obviously, like, as those guys coming up more and more, they will get more and more pressure as well. Like, at some point, there will be no Hirscher anymore. And then the pressure needs to go somewhere. So obviously, they they do well in getting, getting ready for that pressure coming on at some point. But I think, especially also in the slalom group, like, they don't, they didn't have that much pressure behind Hirscher because he always won. And you can see like how good they were growing over the last couple of years. Like they have five people in top ten, which is an amazing achievement. But that comes off like some some good guys up front taking off the pressure. Those guys can do whatever they want and can get better. I think this is uh, something you know that works well for the Austrians right now. Is there much concern? I was going to say, is there much concern with the GS guys at the moment? Because I was looking at the Globe standings, and after Hersher. Next Austrian is, is Fella and he's like 19th or something. It's, I, I, I was really surprised because normally they have a few guys there or thereabouts. But I was scrolling down and saying, where, where are the rest Who's of the next? Austrian team? Like, Schwartz hasn't done many GSs and he had one or a couple of really good results where he started quite late, obviously, because it's not his primary discipline. But, you know, is there concern that there's not much behind Herscher in the, in the GS area? Yeah, I mean, that's the team I was on as well. And it, over the past couple of years, it has been a struggle there. Like now and then, like a guy was really good. Like Leitinger won a silver medal, or French Steiner was on the way to podium last year at the Olympics before he crashed. So there are some some good races, good talents, but it's it's really hard. Like it's not that other people like Austrians win. Like let's be honest, that it's really tight at the moment. Like everyone's skiing really well, and there's just sometimes that you don't have the best races. Like not taking any talent away off them and not taking any talent off them but sometimes it's, it's just a, a bit of a struggle and I think they have to go through that they, all, they are good races they are quick races but that's definitely concerning right guys thanks very much for joining me it's been a fascinating episode I'm kind of looking forward to this weekend of racing and, and to see who's going to come out on top that's all we've got time for thanks again goodbye for now <laughs>